this city, she's always there for me. Every lonely night, she's there for me. My city screams. She needs me. She is my love. She is my life. And I am her spirit. This is now playing's Spirit Retrospective Series. On behalf of the mayor's office, I'd like to welcome you to this week's tax deduction. Part of the now playing DC comic movie series. Mark this moment. A new age begins. An age of great deeds. An age of great power. Hosted by Arnie. You are the only man who's ever escaped my cold embrace. Stuart. That is nothing I like better than kicking your ass all night long. Except maybe eggs. <laughs> and Jacob. He's a good man. You can trust him. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. I feel like breaking all kinds of rules. Listener discretion is advised. Take it home, boys. Today we're discussing The Spirit, starring Gabriel Macht, Eva Mendez, Sarah Paulson, Dan Laria, Paz Vega, Scarlett Johansson, and Samuel L. Jackson, directed by Frank Miller. This is the now playing co-host who believes a man can't fly, Arnie. Stewart in LA. And this is a host that has a thing for the bling, Jacob. The Spirit 2008. How can we discuss this when we've never done a Sin City retrospective? <laughs> it was discussed. I remember we, we talked about throwing it in, but Sin City is not a DC property. We're kind of doing DC right now. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not a huge Sin City fan. I only saw the first movie, only saw it once. And while I thought it looked cool and even maybe a few stories kind of worked, I remember feeling like it was kind of tiresome after a while and I just don't have a great interest in talking about that movie. So I'm, I'm certainly not advocating it. Maybe we'll do it one day. Well, you're going to talk about a Sin City movie, even though it, it's the spirit. It's that same thing we talked about last week. This is a Sin City movie. It really is. This feels like Sin City 2. It came out after Sin City. It's directed by Frank Miller, a comic book writer that we've discussed with the Dark Knight Returns, and we discussed him a bit with Daredevil. RoboCop 3. And 2. Yeah, be nicer. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start with 3. The problems there probably weren't his fault entirely. And somebody who was given a seemingly honorary co-directing credit for Sin City, thus getting his full writer-director credit here for the spirit. Yeah, when Sin City 2 came out, we looked at our calendar and said... We could do it, and all of us said none of us have anything really positive to say about the first one, which isn't to say I hate it. Right, yeah. But I didn't feel like going to theaters for the sequel, and I don't have a lot of positive feelings for that first one. No one went to that sequel. <laughs> Not just you, Arnie. So we never did it, but I feel like it's almost required background to discuss this film and how it even came to exist. Now, you could also throw 300 in there. I mean, I think Sin City was a big hit, and it was made cheaply. So I think Hollywood took note when Robert Rodriguez put that out in 2005. Also in 2005, we have Will Eisner dying. Thus, the rights to the spirit are 
more malleable. There's more willingness to negotiate it and bring it to the screen in a new way. But I think the clincher was the movie 300 was also sold as from the visionary Frank Miller, even though he wasn't on set and had no uh, involvement in the translation of comic to screen. That was all Zack Snyder. Uh, I think that was an even bigger hit. And after that, they were like, yeah, this is the guy that can write it, direct it. He can do the whole shebang. And I was there the same Comic-Con where Triumph the Insult comic dog was pooping on Will Eisner Awards. Frank Miller was there just to announce with no footage to show. He was just there showing up in his trademark hat, staring very unenthusiastically at Hall H audiences going, yeah, I'm going to make the spirit as a movie. Any questions? Did anyone care? <laughs> uh, there was a lot of crickets. Again, I didn't even know who Will Eisner or the spirit was. So I was like, Okay, you know, I had just seen the trailer for 300. It was same Comic-Con. So, you know, I was not either thrilled nor discouraged by the idea of Frank Miller comics coming to the screen. Uh, it didn't mean a whole lot. I felt like uh, people basically were there to just to see the man. He has a big reputation in the comic book community. I think that they were just excited that Frank Miller was going to make a movie and maybe it would be as good as, you know, one of his classics like Dark Knight Returns or something. He definitely has a fan base. I've seen that in various conventions over the past 10 years. And he does have a name that is Hollywood associated. Even though his background is comics, he's successfully transitioned to screenwriter and worked on a number of films. It does seem to make a twisted sort of sense, despite the fact that from everything I've ever seen in person, in interviews, on bonus features, he doesn't seem like a good personality. And I think Hollywood, oftentimes you get where you go based on being a personable individual who can get along and smooth talk people. He seems cantankerous and <laughs> single-minded, but yeah, he in a way makes a sort of sense. Which kind of works in the comic book industry, especially if you're an artist, you're working by yourself a lot of the time. Hey, if you could put out great art, people are just going to hire you. And that's was Frank Miller's reputation, but I really feel like post 9-11, Frank Miller became a very different man. Same way Dennis Leary became a different person and his politics <laughs> changed after 9-11. Frank Miller went very extreme and it just plays out in his attitude and his presence now. Like I, I just, anytime I see him now, I can't help but think about him saying, oh, you know, his, his response to Occupy Wall Street and how they should all just be thrown in jail and they, they have no credit. Like he just became a very different man and he's very cranky is the way I, I just see him now. Right, I agree. That that does seem to be the personality. It's kind of how he came across, even in the Hall H, you know, half hour that they filled up the time. I can't even remember what they talked about, because again, he had no script idea, he had no cast to <laughs> announce, no footage, nothing. It was it's just, just like, we have Frank Miller here, let's yeah, bring him out. Yeah, I just walked on, they basically just talked about how much he loved Will Eisner. and You wouldn't know it from this movie. I, I do feel like the Sin City graphic novel that came out after RoboCop 2 and 3 was Miller's, if you believe what he was saying, it was his attempt to kind of channel the spirit in some of what Will Eisner had done in his own way. And I watched a lot of the bonus features. I didn't know a lot about Will Eisner. I didn't know a lot about the spirit. I certainly didn't know Will Eisner lived to be almost 90 years old and actually was friend and mentor to Frank Miller. 
and that the two had a friendly rivalry, but were great friends. And I believe if the story's to be taken literally, it was like at the funeral or at the wake that he was approached and said, you were real close with Eisner. We'd been trying to get the spirit off the ground. Will you do it in a way that would honor Eisner's memory? And Yeah, that Eisner estate was ready to cash in, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, they did not wait for the body to get cold. The grandkids and aunts and uncles. Yeah, they wanted to sell the movie rights. Yeah, I definitely feel like there was a willingness to make it happen now that the original creator wouldn't stand in his way. And I agree. I think Frank Miller had, the, from the stories I heard, he felt like the guy that might be able to understand Eisner in a way that these Hollywood types don't. And what he said was that Eisner would roll over in his grave if this was made as a literal period piece, that Eisner wasn't so beholden to his original vision that he didn't understand stories needed to be updated and modernized. And so he said that he created a version. He said he wrote every storyboard his way and then wrote it Eisner's way. And 100% of the time he went with what Eisner would have approved. That's weird because I feel like they almost did that Tim Burton Batman 89 thing where think it's modern there's like a skateboard but then all the cars are from the 40s and that was the sin city world as i recall it was mostly a film noir 1940s but there would be modern touches i don't know it's been a while since i've seen that robert rodriguez movie but they decided that frank miller's name was synonymous with that sin city look and yes that it was going to get made in that style. Maybe not a bad approach to go. I, a lot of people behind the scenes that I saw were saying, this is an evolution. This is not the same way that we made Sin City or 300. We took some of those ideas and we brought you something even newer, fresher, more amazing. I will say this about Frank Miller is if you look at his art, it, there's always an evolution to it. Arnie and I talked about The Dark Knight Returns, and if you look at that art versus The Dark Knight Strikes Back, which was a follow-up, he had a very different style. It was the 2000s. He was experimenting with digital art, and and he's always been willing to change his style and have an evolution to it. So, yeah, I do feel you watch Sin City, that's going to have a sense of style. The Spirit, it's going to feel like that, but... It, it's also different. He, he's going to do different things here. Whether that's better or worse, I'm not going to say, but it feels like it's part of that world, but there is an evolution or at least a change to it. Now, let's not forget, though, that Frank Miller was an artist. He was also a writer. I mean, he wrote a great arc of Daredevil with the Electra story, perhaps the most iconic Daredevil arc. And he wrote Sin City, 300, Dark Knight Returns. And he said in one of the bonus features, and we'll discuss if this is true, he said that he, Will Eisner taught him, story is the most important thing. You can have a whole lot of pretty pictures. I'm saying bullshit right now based on this movie. <laughs> it is important. I, he just didn't listen. He said you can have a whole lot of pretty pictures, and they don't mean anything if you don't have a story to back it up. There's not even a debate about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're all laughing. I know what that means. <laughs> You know what? I will say this. I didn't recommend the movie last week, but I'm glad I saw it because it <laughs> yeah, you have to. told me things about the character of the spirit that had I not had that in my head watching this movie now, I'm not sure I would have understood. Yes, me too. I'm the same way. I'm like watching this like, 
this feels almost like it could be some kind of weird bastard sequel to that one. I'm glad I got an origin story to understand what the spirit's doing, because here we're going to jump in the middle. The spirit's already there. Ellen is here. The same character as last time. I was looking around for Bajel. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't see this film when it came out in theaters. I saw it later on Netflix. Just look, whatever we think, go and read Roger Ebert's review of this film. Like, that's what got me to see it because it's very funny. It's also very acidic. He, I think, gave this one and a half stars, but it was such a funny review. I had to watch the film and I remember just being confused. And I had read Spirit Comics by this time. Like I said, DC was putting them out in 2007. I had read all of them and I just remember not understanding what was going on in this film. And now this time, because I watched that TV show, I do feel like that is a better in than what you're just going to get if you try to watch this solo. I mean, this is a notorious bomb. You weren't the only one that didn't go to theaters. They put this out Christmas Day 2008, and I think it came in fifth or sixth or something like that. I mean, nobody. It it was one of those you just saw one trailer and you knew. Oh, yeah. You knew there was something wrong there. I mean, you may not have liked Sin City or 300, but when you saw those trailers, you saw something cool. You saw something that made you want to see the finished product. When I saw that Spirit trailer with, with Sam Jackson doing what he's doing and calling himself the octopus, I mean, oh, man, I couldn't have been further away from that theater. I would have rather seen Marley and me. I don't remember a trailer with Sam Jackson in it. I remember seeing a cast list for this, though, and the trailer I remember had mocked running around as the spirit, sliding down wires, giving his voiceover. And I remember going, huh, I'm intrigued. I didn't love Sin City. I didn't hate Sin City, lest I come off as like, I just couldn't stand it. No. Yeah, that was my attitude. It just, yeah, looked cool, but it didn't fulfill the promise is the way I'd put it. I'd say it overstayed its welcome. It hit the same beats too often, but I loved its style. I really did. And so seeing this, seeing it was from Frank Miller, I was interested in this. And then the reviews came out and I'm like, eh, video. And I've never seen it until (laughs) this week when I watched it for this review. But the trailers, the visual style, the voiceover... Yes, it was reminding me of The Phantom and a lot of other, you know, those period piece when they try to bring back those old heroes, which never works out well. But I was interested in this film. And yet you didn't see it. No, I wasn't very (laughs) interested. You thought you were interested in it, and then you found out you were wrong at some point because of reviews is what you're saying. For me, it was obvious. It was just one of those you just saw a couple seconds of the trailer and you knew it wasn't Sin City. I'll tell you, though, I, I forgot about the reviews coming back to this. I was excited when I put this in my Blu-ray player, I was like, you're always so optimistic. It's amazing to me how you can get excited about the things you get excited about. The, the hope. I'm like, I'm finally getting to watch this. We haven't had a good movie on that other than theatrical in so long. I've been wanting to see this. It's great. I get to watch something high quality theatrical. It actually has a Blu-ray release. I don't have to stream it from YouTube. I was happy. Okay, coming from the opposite end, I thought I was potentially watching what has been called one of the worst comic book movies of all time. And yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. What really turned me off was that it was so close to 300 when I saw those trailers, because that I I talked about what the spirit of the spirit was, and at least in the comics in the last episode. And it's not Sin City. 
It's not 300. Like, it's not that typical Frank Miller thing. I feel like what makes the spirit so enjoyable to read is that it kicks against all that tough guy attitude that, you know, that, that you would typically get in a noir detective type story. And, and that's what really turned me off, that this felt like such a Frank Miller product. Well, brought in Frank Miller, if you, you know, that's like saying that movie felt like such a Quentin Tarantino project. Why'd I go see a Quentin Tarantino written and directed film? You know, if you bring in an auteur. If I go to see a Tarantino film, I have certain expectations. If I'm thinking I'm getting a lighthearted type of story, I'm not going to expect that from Tarantino. I, I, you know, people can go outside their genre and it's not always going to work. Yeah, I th- that Frank Miller was involved was neither a plus nor a minus, but I I will s- note that he has never directed a movie again, and I don't think that they produced <laughs> one of his screenplays either. I think this was, in Hollywood terms anyway, a career killer. Well, that's because he had to go finish his comic book about Batman hunting down Bin Laden. <laughs> uh, Not a joke. Oh, Hmm. Uh, I'd rather hear the plot summary of that, but Arnie, since we must, why don't you tell him what happens in this movie? Good luck. (laughs) Legitimately, one of the most difficult plot summaries of now playing history. So little plot, but (laughs) so hard to explain. Here's how I've decided to approach it. I think it was a creative answer. Central City is caught in the middle of a mythic battle. Two seemingly unkillable entities are engaged in war. On one side, you have the crime lord, the octopus, played by Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson. On the other side, you have the spirit, a former police officer turned masked vigilante. Octopus keeps trying to pull jobs with his dim, cloned henchmen, and the spirit keeps stopping him. Despite endless gunshots, impalings, and maimings, neither the spirit nor the octopus remain dead. In fact, it turns out the spirit was a cop named Denny Colt, who was killed on the job. But in the morgue, he was used as a guinea pig by the octopus, who was developing a serum that would grant immortality. Indeed, it brought Denny back from the dead as this unkillable crime fighter, and so the octopus then injected himself. But with enough damage, like total dismemberment, these two could be killed. So the octopus has discovered the key to true immortality. The blood of Hercules. Heracles. Hercules. Heracles. I'm going to say Hercules. 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 <laughs> if Octopus drinks the blood, he will become a god and be able to rule the earth. And he's aided in this by his level-headed henchwoman, Silken Floss, played by Scarlett Johansson. You think this is the biggest embarrassment on her resume? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> The spirit is again trying to stop him, but he's distracted by jewelry thief Sand Serif, because nothing is funnier than a font pun. (laughs) And she's played by Eva Mendes. Sand was Denny's boyhood girlfriend who left Central City to pursue a life of wealth and beauty. But she's back trying to steal some jewelry that is unparalleled in its gorgeousness. But in a mix-up, she accidentally steals the blood of Hercules instead, and the octopus ends up with the jewelry. An exchange is planned, but at the end, Sand does side with her old beau, and they succeed in killing the octopus by handing him a grenade, which blows up the baddie. But Silken Floss and the Dim Henchman hop in a truck to go to future plots, and the spirit and Sand Seraf again part ways as credits roll. Yeah, that's not a bad job. You you cut out so much, which isn't actually necessary for the film. 
If you weren't able to follow it, it helps create the feeling of the viewer watching this movie. It's disjointed. It feels like the work of a first-time, inexperienced screenwriter. That's why I was so surprised to see that, yes, not only is this Frank Miller's directorial debut, but he has sole writing credit on this. And because he's well-versed in the comics... Uh, knew the whole history could have pulled anything i mean could have pulled any storyline any moment and time from this and just decides not to tell an origin story i think that that's surprising he doesn't even tell a spirit story i mean this opens up with death i'm waiting for you spirit like the the sexy female death that's continually haunting the spirit Huh? Played by Jamie King, an actress whose looks have gotten her far when her acting ability couldn't. Who is she? We reviewed her in the remake of Silent Night. Oh. She was in <laughs> Slackers and The First Sin City, White Chicks. Wow. Okay, just stop. Stuff. My Bloody yeah. Valentine 3D, which Marjorie and I reviewed. She's collected paychecks. <laughs> When she files her taxes, it says actress. Congratulations. Okay, that's great. I know her primarily because she did a voice on nine episodes of The Clone Wars because she was sleeping with one of the writers who happens to be her husband. Well, let me just start this out with a very controversial compliment then. We're going to say a lot that's not positive about this movie. I'm not sure how much positive there is to say about this movie, but I will say this. They've given this character, this spirit, Denny Colt, I think he's called a couple times, but mostly he's just the spirit, this woman complex that basically every woman that approaches him, he instantly falls in love. And I kind of like this. I kind of like the idea that he is in love with his city. Every time a woman screams because she's being attacked in the city, he sees it as the city in trouble. And yes, every time that death is approaching, it's this femme fatale that comes to him in a uh, belly dancing vision. I'm not exactly sure what it is. <laughs> Lorelai is, I think, the, her name. And I think that might be a character that w had a literal storyline in some of Will Eisner's spirit comics, but I couldn't figure it out. And I talked about, like, a lot of the spirit is about him interacting with these femme fatales. And yeah, he's always fallen for him. There's always sexual tension between them, which is fine. The, the fact you're saying that these women personify the city when he's, oh, my city's not tarted up like some piece of jail bait. Like, well, look, I've read all the Sin City graphic novels and I'm like, oh, this is a joke. This is obviously a parody of, like, this tough guy noir. Frank Miller can't really be serious with this kind of stuff. He is. Like, unfortunately, I think he is. He thinks this is tough sounding. And I'm just laughing whenever he, the spirit is talking about his city. She screams for me. It's overwrought, but I never thought Frank Miller was actually doing a parody that went it so serious that it came out the other side. And I'm going to give this film one of my few compliments. I have no idea who Gabriel Macht is. I looked him up. He's that guy in stuff. <laughs> Just like Lorelai, whoever that actress Blazer is. Yeah, well, look, Jamie King actually has more titles I've seen than Mocked does. But I think he is a well-cast spirit. He delivers these lines with gusto. He has the physicality and the jaw for the role. He wears the <laughs> costume well. I think every single actor in this is as big of a prop as the nine-foot pipe wrench, but he is a well-formed prop. 
let me ask you this, because you watched all the extras or whatever extras there were. Did they digitally enhance his eyes? Like, I know, like, I'm always drawn to his eyes, maybe because they're outlined in that mask, but they almost seem unnaturally big, like I'm watching an anime or something. They didn't really go into the details. Every frame was digitally touched. Every one. I mean... Yeah, I know they removed all the color from this. I mean, it's very flat looking. Well, in addition to removing the color, they removed items and they never went full black. But like scenes would have full brick walls. And then Frank Miller would scribble on what looked like an iPad to say, "Okay, remove this wall, remove this other thing, remove this third thing. And they just make it down so that like if you're seeing this all blown up on film, you almost see just a little of the texture and the blackness. But this entire thing was filmed in a green room. Nothing was shot outdoors. So did they make his eyes bigger or is it just the way they went? I know every single frame was tinged with color. Miller was just focused on color, 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 but they never specifically mentioned giving him anime eyes. I didn't even notice that. Mocked. Boy, you don't want to have that name and appear in this movie, do you? <laughs> but, you know, he's all right. I don't think he's any different than what we got last week. I honestly think the Playgirl centerfold is about as good as this guy. I mean, it, it's you just have to be bland, handsome, built, and uh, less cool than everyone else around you. And I think that's exactly what Gabriel Mocked is. <laughs> he is the square that is, yes, perpetually seeing a city as a woman in distress. And yeah, it's overwrought, but I, I think it's kind of fun. And it allows him to play off of all of these female characters throughout this story in a way that, that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the idea that even though he is committed to this Ellen Dolan, and that's his sweetheart, supposedly, that will change instantly when another woman walks by. And I think that's a fun dynamic to play with. It's I would say there's more romantic chemistry here. There's not much, but there's more than there was last week. And I was just happy to see Ellen. I'm like, wow, watching the last movie actually mattered. I'm really getting something <laughs> out of this. And I was also excited because I'm really engrossed in that The People versus O.J. Simpson and Ellen is played by Marsha Clark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's done a lot of uh, American Horror Story as well. I really like this actress. It's uh, Sarah Paulson. It may be helpful to watch that TV pilot because I think what we're seeing at the beginning here is the spirit gets a phone call saying like the octopus is up to something. Is he leaving his tomb he in is. the cemetery? If, if you didn't know about the spirit, I don't know if you understand at all where he's walking out of or what's going on at this point. Well, you will get sort of a backstory late in the game when Sam Jackson finally gets some monologuing in. And I mean like 20 minutes before the end of the movie, <laughs> we're going to see a montage. But he doesn't say he lives in the cemetery, though. But like, yes, I'm not sure how you would take it that you might actually think that he is a ghost leaving a cemetery, <laughs> going to Sin City to fight, yes, female seductresses and Sam Jackson raiding the costume shop once again. Yeah, the opening battle will tell you everything you really need to know about this movie. I honestly think that you can either hit stop or feel rest assured that you're going to enjoy the rest of the movie based on to your response of this opening fight that Mocked has with Jackson in the mudflats. You are not wrong there. <laughs> I, I will say that I didn't have that experience because I came in thinking Frank Miller, 
Honestly, we've discussed him unfavorably. I'm not usually a fan of his writing. I think of him, I think of women in refrigerators and a lot of every woman's a whore, every guy is a badass. Also a ninja, though. Yes, ninja (laughs) whore. So I came into this expecting Sin City's kind of gritty, dark vibe. And so I honestly, for the first time in my life, now know how Wiley e. Coyote felt when he ran out and realized he's no longer standing on ground, but instead there's just a gap underneath him. When I see this slapstick fight where they're pulling out nine foot wrenches and the spirit gets smashed over the head with a toilet and octopus Sam Jackson's there like toilets are always funny. I'm like, wait, what? What? What is this? Well, Yes, it is disorienting. I was so confused the first time I watched this because all of a sudden you're in this fight like there's a dead cop. We see Eva Mendez rise from the mud or sewage, whatever they're fighting in. I don't know. Like It's just supposed to be water. And so she gasps underwater. It looks like mud. It's mud. (laughs) They're mud flats. Okay. A, A gasp is a sharp inhalation of air. So I think she would have died right then. Yeah, I don't know why she's scuba diving in mud. I don't know why the MacGuffins, and there's two of them, are both in crates underwater in the mud flats. But uh, yeah, be that as it may. It's very confusing. Like, you're going to get this fight, which the spirit, I guess he's invulnerable here. He's invincible. I guess the spirit is invincible here. And so is the octopus as they're smashing toilets over their head. Like, I get it. I should be laughing when the kitchen sink is used. I'm not. I am just confused at this point. Why Why am I watching the Roadrunner and the Coyote fight? Yeah, I think that is the real jarring moment is that, yes, if you have any familiarity with Sin City, you would not expect it to have big, broad slapstick moments. And so when Spirit does that, you suddenly realize that A, you're in a PG-13 movie and not an R-rated movie, and B, this is a different director. And he has an entirely different sensibility than Robert Rodriguez. And Rodriguez could be big and farcical. I mean, I think about, you know, that second Machete sequel, and this has a lot in common with that, honestly. A lot of camp going on here. But you wouldn't expect that from a stark black and white noir world. And I think that that will be the head scratcher is how do you match up what this looks like with how this feels? Yeah, I'm glad Samuel Jackson's there because he's at least selling that I should be laughing. That I shouldn't take this seriously as the octopus. I don't know why he's called the octopus here in the comic. You never know who the octopus is. His head's always covered. Yeah, that's the big mystery. He could pop up anywhere here. They just tell you straight up. Samuel Jackson is the octopus. And I guess because he has eyeliner with four drips under each eye. I, I don't know why he has this name. That's supposed to be his prison tattoos, like having the teardrop but because he's an octopus. Plus, he has eight of them. Is that what that is? That's what Frank Miller told me. And yeah, he's supposed to be in the comic a Blofeld type character here. Yes. He's just Sam Jackson vamping it up. How many comic book movies has Sam Jackson done? I can't even count anymore. But this one, man, when he goes over the top, he goes over the top. But I will give him full props for committing to the director's vision. I have no doubt. You don't think he did this himself? I have no doubt every line he's delivering is the way Frank Miller wants to hear it done. I don't know if he was being given the line readings by Miller or if Miller just knew he wanted this kind of broadness to it. But man, he is going as broad as his props. The story I heard was that, you know, Frank Miller basically wrote 
the spirit all through 2006 and into 2007 and very late in the game you know he knew it was going to have the octopus he was meeting with possible actors and basically sam jackson just showed up there with comic books he wanted autographs he showed up as a fan he adored <laughs> frank miller it's probably the best way to get a frank miller autograph he's very uh, reclusive it's hard to find him well it worked and you know they were just both impressed with each other a lot. And once he met Sam Jackson, he went back and rewrote this character with Sam Jackson in mind. So I don't know what it would have looked like with any other actor, but it does feel like Sam Jackson just being big, given free reign to do what he does. And yeah, that means putting on man with no name gauchos and yeah, pulling out giant wrenches and toilets and making a mockery of the whole idea of a serious noir movie. It's very strange what he's doing, but it's, entertaining in its own way, I suppose. If you enjoy Sam Jackson as an actor, I do. I think we all do. There's a little bit of fun here just watching him basically do improv. A little bit. And I will say the tone was completely set by his henchmen. You know, we've got... This was taken from Batman 66, right? They got names on them, logos, pathos, ethos. I thought they were just triplets. We're going to find out there's many more of them. But I remember that, you know, the Joker or the Penguin, they had their henchmen with their names across their chest. Yes, this was Frank Miller deciding he was going to be really insightful because Aristotle said that logos, pathos, and ethos are the three elements necessary for persuasive rhetoric. What about huevos and rancheros? They'll come, they'll show up later. And adios amigos. <laughs> yeah, he has lots of fun with the names. What is with the egg fetish on this? What is with all the eggs? Is this a John Waters thing? I mean, I, I remember. No, no. He's, a, he's a geneticist. So they're just talking about eggs like. In its natural form, I think it revolts him. He's always trying to change uh, the natural process. That's the way I took it anyway. Frank Miller said in the commentary, don't ask me about the eggs. I just found them funny. I, no, if you watch John Waters films, there's what? Edith the Egg Lady, who just has this fetish for eggs. And it came off that way to me. Yeah, it's a strange quirk. And Sam Jackson milks it for all it's worth and, and a lot more than it's worth. It's a strange ripple in a movie full of them. Tidal waves of strange ripples going on here. <laughs> It just set a tone that I wasn't expecting for this movie, but at that moment, I knew what was going on. I also felt, okay, the spirit, I saw in that TV movie, he was shot and came back thanks to Yubi. There's no Yubi here, but here he is getting impaled, he's getting shot, nothing's hurting him. So, Jacob, none of this is in the comic, he's not an immortal cop in the comic? No, he just came back from the dead and decided to put on a mask and, you know, fight on that gray side of the law. This this is made up. Okay, because I was thinking, okay, here's the origin story. And as we've seen with so many movies, Spider-Man, Batman, all of them, the origin story of the hero and the villain must be tied together. So right away it's telling me these two came from the same thing. The spirit is obviously pretty dumb if he doesn't realize there's something special about him. He doesn't even seem to care, like, why he is that way. Like, he keeps mentioning, like, oh, yeah, at some point I should probably find out what's going on, but not right now. I wish they'd gotten to this a whole lot sooner because it's spelled out so clearly here that these two came from the same vial. I wanted to know what went on a lot faster, and I also think it's a mistake that they don't tie it into whatever killed Denny. 
Yeah, I guess we could talk about it now instead of waiting till 20 minutes before the end of the film, like the film does. But the octopus, he was already a mad scientist, right? He just happened to, what, be taking bodies from the morgue? He's always trying to create life. These triplets we've talked about, they were grown in some jar. We're going to see him, you know, a foot with one of those triplets' heads bouncing around like some Super Mario villain. The only time I laughed this whole movie was at that. Oh, you laughed? Okay, gotta say, at that moment, something really clicked for me. Like, I'm like, this movie is strange tonally, and I I don't know what's going on. And when that scene happened, I suddenly realized, I don't even think Frank Miller knew it, but what he was channeling here. And it ain't Will Eisner. I know that. (laughs) I don't even think it's Sin City. I think it's Rocky Horror Picture Show. If you think about it, Sam Jackson is doing Tim Curry Frankenfurter. He's this mad doctor trying to create life. You got this himbo guy, this beefcake guy walking around that's really, really stupid. You got Scarlett Johansson with those giant eyelashes doing, you know, something. She looks like (laughs) Magenta or, or one of those, but it really feels like that's what he's doing here. Like that movie was a parody of horror movies. This is a parody of like noir. And I like Rocky Horror Picture Show okay, but I didn't really need the Sam Jackson version of it. (laughs) I just wish he'd put on the garters. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't he i feel like he puts everything else on here he doesn't yeah. do drag, I guess. there are some strange costume choices yeah we'll nazi regalia but yes yeah. basically because he's a mad scientist he had a serum that's almost invincible but not quite and i think that's really the frustration if you're trying to find logic here is that if they're both invincible that why is he looking for uh the blood that will make him more invincible I don't think that is a distinction that's easily understood. That's the confusing part of this plot for me is that there is Heracles or Hercules blood, depending if you're Roman or Greek, I guess. And it's going to make you even super stronger. But he wants to kill the spirit. I don't know why, because then he'd be the strongest person. I guess because he says the spirit, if he did get a drink of it, then he would be the only person to match him. I don't understand it. It's so confusing. And that that's the whole plot. Like, we're trying to get Hercules blood. I wish I saw them as fallible from the get-go, so I understood why they wanted to become immortal. But when you find two immortals wanting to become immortaler, it's very confusing <laughs> to me. Although Spirit does have some dialogue, he has lots of dialogue, but I think he has a line or two where he says he would like to die. That romantic attraction to death is why death is Lorelai and why he considers making out with her and dying at some point in the movie. He doesn't want to live forever. It's Sam Jackson that wants to be a god. Sam Jackson, who's the egomaniac. Sam Jackson, who's trying to find this blood. So you would think that he'd be able to find this blood... No problem, and and not involve his enemy, but they have another plot. If that were all of the plots... (laughs) We'd be done talking about it by now. (laughs) We might get answers as to what the hell is going on. But then there's the other side of this. Yeah, because there's two cases that get mixed up. Yes, that doesn't make any sense to me, and I imagine it didn't for you guys either. And it's very confusing, just the way it's shot. Like, I get it, it's all green screen, so they don't actually look like they're swimming, but all this stuff is taking place underwater. Things are mixed up. It's, I I don't even know why Eva Mendez, who she is at this point, why she's trying to get this case, why the octopus is showing up trying to get this case. It's just very confusing storytelling. What is in this case that she wants? Is it Marcellus Wallace's soul? No, it's the Golden Fleece. 
Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, okay. Yeah. We have a flashback in which we understand that Denny, when he was Denny, and the only time we see that he's Denny, he's a, what, I'd say a 15, 16-year-old boy living on the street, no parents. She is also a ragamuffin, but she has a, a cop dad, and she likes the finer things. She sees a limousine pass by with a woman with jewels on her wrist, and she wants to be that. And so... Denny tries. He steals a locket, and we'll see this locket return later in the movie. No, he doesn't steal it. He sold his bike for it. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. Yes, you're right. He isn't a criminal. She's going to be the criminal. Her dad gets murdered in a strange sort of non sequitur that I can't even understand even now. Yeah, it's an accidental shooting. I don't even understand what happened. Her, his uncle was fighting with a criminal that shot her dad. And then he was so sad that the uncle shot himself. And at any rate, the important part <laughs> of that story. There is one? <laughs> well, <laughs> we're getting there eventually. Uh, the, the best part is that it ends. But the important part <laughs> is that she decides... She wants to be a master criminal and she can't be around Denny because I think he's thinking about being a cop. Yeah, he tells her that he's going to be a cop and she says she hates cops at this point because her dad died as one. Because they get shot in the line of fire. And so, yeesh, uh, all right. At any rate... This long-lost girlfriend is being lured back to Central City because their dealer, the same guy that is selling Octopus, the Hercules blood, is also going to give her the Golden Fleece. And she's all she's been reading about the Golden Fleece in comic books since she was that teenager. But why he decides to make that trade happen at the same time in crates that are underwater or actually under mud and that... <laughs> She goes back to force him to kill himself with pictures implying he's a pedophile. Yeah, why not just call the octopus up and set up a trade? Like, they'll eventually do that. I don't right. know why she has to do this whole suicide thing. You wonder what, yes, what is the problem that prevents them in that moment from handing the right case to the right thing? I guess she was going to get both cases and is mad that she doesn't have the other? Does she want the blood? No, she just wants the fleece, and he just wants the blood. And so they they basically, if they'd gotten the other crates, if they'd gotten the right one... There'd be no movie. <laughs> yeah, we, we see that Sans, either her boyfriend or her husband at the time, I'm not sure which, he tries to drink the blood of Hercules and dies. Like, so you already have to be immortal to drink it. That's the only way you could, I guess, consume its power. And so yeah. she has no use for it. She can't use it at this point. Yes, I agree. It should be, everyone should be able to get what they want, no problem. Spirit wants to die, no problem. She wants the fleece, no problem. <laughs> Octopus wants to live forever by drinking some blood, no problem. So why is there a middle act in this movie? I cannot figure out why we spend so much time with Spirit, I guess, chasing her down while Octopus and Silk and Floss Try to capture spirit. I guess if you cared about the spirits and Sans relationship, this would mean something. Like they were childhood friends. We see San make a Xerox copy of her butt that the spirit treasures, puts in his pocket. Like if not really Eva Mendez's ass, I'm sorry to report. Oh, I know, I'm sure. 
But like, I guess if you cared about them, you'd want to see them get back together. But I don't. Here's the thing is, I don't think this is a character driven film. No, I think that this is supposed to be a series of skits and you're laughing or you're tortured. I was tortured because the humor didn't work for me. I mean, we've got all kinds of women coming in and out of this. We've got Ellen. There's that female cop who feels like she's supposed to be a romantic thing. Yeah. Morgan Stern. Yeah, I knew her. She was on Castle with that guy uh, guy from Firefly. So I recognized her. She is like the one they don't try to sex up in this. But uh, I feel like they kind of do. Like she has a pretty form-fitting cop uniform. Depending on how you feel on lady cops. She does remind me of Sandra Bullock from Demolition Man. Like, she's kind of got that attitude. Yes, and the haircut, too. I think that there's all types of women for you here, but they're all here serving in the same way. And that's conceptually, again, the confusion that Spirit has is that all women are the same to him, ultimately. They're all these enchantresses, and they're just various versions of the same thing tempting him i kind of liked all this stuff guys i didn't have a problem with there being too many women and i like no no conceptually that's fine but yeah the execution here is awful well what i would say is like to arnie's point i think he's really hitting the nail here is that by doing this movie this campy you're not allowed to have feelings about these characters and what they want and desire and and want and desire them for them, I mean, I don't care whether these people are in love or end up together. That's not even the point, right? I, I don't even know if camp is the point. I feel the point is Frank Miller. Oh, what if I do this thing where you just see the spirit soles of his shoes and they're really white for some reason? I have no idea. Like, it feels like I'm going to do an impressionistic painting and call it a film. Mm. I mean, I feel like I'm hitting all the highlights of Frank Miller's style if I just took this frame by frame. But as a film. I don't care about seeing a blur of your works of art. Yeah, I think you're definitely watching someone that is more interested in, yes, the framing of visuals than our conception of characters. But I do think we are supposed to be laughing. I do think the point is that this is a a campy world. And again, the reference points are old Adam West Batman or, you know, the lighter moments in Richard Donner Superman. You could say lighter moments or camp. I do feel like there's a Frank Miller spin on this, though. Like, Octopus is going to dress up as a samurai, again, because he raided the costume closet. And they're going to take one of their bald henchmen and make him commit suicide, you know, seppuku, and run that knife along his gut. And he's sitting there smiling. Am I doing it right, boss? It it feels tingly. Is this right? Like, uh, that is humor, though. Is that Jacob? funny? I get it. It's You could call it humor. You can say that it's not funny, and you would be right. But it is comedy, <laughs> and it is what this movie is doing again and again and again. I never see them try to make a scary moment or a thrilling moment. I see an interplay between comedy and sex. This feels like a teenager trying to do something edgy. Like, I'm going to have a suicide joke here, and it's going to be really funny. And... It's not. It's just uh, just like last week where I felt like there's supposed to be some really good 30 screwball comedy jokes. They're not there. And this doesn't have jokes either. Let me throw out the other possibility here. Frank Miller is a first time director who may have had absolutely no conception on what the film was going to look like after it left the editing room. Perhaps he didn't realize the massive pacing problems he was introducing by losing track of the story and just focusing so much on, oh, my God, this will be real awesome. 
Possibly, but my problems with this movie aren't pacing, uh, although it does feel eternal on some level. Yeah, these flashbacks are whole movies in and of themselves. Give me a flash. But it isn't really the the directing so much as the writing. I mean, I honestly feel like, much like last week, the problem is there's no zip. You you know, to do this kind of archy, campy thing, you really got to be clever. You can't phone it in. You can't just say, oh, you know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing Batman. I mean, no, you got to come prepare with jokes. And maybe the problem is Miller isn't a great comedian i mean you kind of liked his satire in robocop too but by and large i don't think he's known for that i think he's known for vitriol yeah, satire and jokes are different things like yeah. if you're trying to do a straight-up comedy which i think this is supposed to be straight up like comedy yes. haha funny it's yes. not though it's out of his wheelhouse you hire him to make a noir world where people do terrible things and you get that in little moments here again this pedophile quote-unquote joke don't know why they threw it in here, but I feel like that was a Frank Miller touch. Like, I want to make sure that we understand everyone in this world is corrupt. And yeah, even the guy that set up this deal, he's he's up to bad things. But if you're going to do it this way, you want someone from the comedian world. And Frank Miller, I, I just think that he's ill-equipped to, to write that story. And I wonder why he chose to do that. I presume that he had the creative control to set the tone for what he wanted to do. And the fact that it really ends up not feeling like Sin City leads me to believe that he was trying for something different, that he wanted to prove that he was a comedian. I want to know, though, exactly what dirty photos he had to blackmail Scarlett Johansson into this. I mean, Sam Jackson will do your job if you write his paycheck. But Scarlett Johansson, I'm guessing she was just trying to find that mainstream paycheck film that would keep going for her. She'd find it a few years later with the Avengers series, but she'd done the island not long before this. And here she is doing her damnedest. I'll give her that. She's keeping a straight face and she is giving her all to this role the same as Sam Jackson is. I think she believed in this project. Yeah, no, the story I heard again was that everyone was excited. You know, they thought that they were working with a genius. I mean, I remember a lot of 80s painters, too. They got movies in the 90s, and a lot of people lined up to work with them because when you're a star in one venue, well, great. You know, I'm awestruck. I'm I'm getting to meet someone that I admire. But that doesn't mean that a movie person can help someone that isn't a movie person figure out a movie. And I think that that's what everyone here was here to do. We want to help get what you do in comic books onto the screen. And they are. They're committed. You feel that. But... If he can't articulate what it is, and maybe more centrally, if the concept is rotten at its core, not to say the spirit comic is rotten at the core, but this comedic, goofy take is not working, then there's nothing that any of these actors can do to help you. You're just all going to drown in the mud. You know, there's movies that are obviously bad, and you're like wondering what the actors were doing when they were on set and they had to read these lines. I, I think this is different. You're, you're right, Stuart. You have someone that's big in the comic book world and Sin City was a big movie. 300 was a big movie. Oh yeah, of course we'd want to work with them. And then you're just around green screens all day. Like You're like, oh, this is going to be real artsy, real artistic, blow people's minds. I could see like how you might have faith in this project on the set. It's when it goes to editing, comes out of there that it becomes something very different though. 
And God knows the cast of Rocky Horror Picture Show probably didn't know what the hell they were making either. I mean, I think that they thought they were doing Midnight Movie, cult movie, that they were doing something that was, yeah, beyond them. It was strange and it wouldn't make sense until you finally saw it. Yeah, they're all in a green room and nobody really knows what it is, but it will all make sense when it's up on screen and you can see uh, the master assemble the frame the way that he has it in his head. I think the problem is the master was trying for something that he didn't have well conceived in his head. Why didn't he make Will Eisner's spirit? That's the confusing question I have is it seems that there's enough here that's good that makes me want to go back and look at those comics. And he thought he was because he went back and those spirit comics were comedic and there were all those women falling all over him. Oh, they are. Yes, no, they're yeah, they're they're funny. They're not juvenile though. That, okay, that's the difference. Okay, I didn't I didn't realize that. All right, so because every picture I've seen, like Spirit's clothes are torn and he's got a black eye and he's punching someone. Like they seem dark and violent, but there is there is a comedic tone to it. That that this balance they're going for would be the way a movie that's faithful to the spirit should be. Yeah, I mean, it, you would laugh a lot if they got a spirit movie right. Like, there would definitely be funny parts to it. Okay. Going from slapstick to very clever wordplay. Like, but this, again, is juvenile. And I feel like Frank Miller does juvenile really well. And that was cool when I was 15 and juvenile. It, it just doesn't work for me when I get older, though. Yeah, this isn't working for me. I don't know if it would have worked for me when I was even juvenile, because even back then, I had to have some semblance of a story to keep me hooked. I've just always been a story guy. And here, I think as a juvenile, I wouldn't even have understood why the story didn't make sense. As an adult, I'm like, okay, they're not going for it. Let's see if I can enjoy the ride. Sometimes I can't, sometimes I can't, but this has ended up feeling more like an episode of Saturday Night Live where some of the sketches are working, but the later you get into the show, the more weak material they're pulling out. Here, Here's the one sketch. Well, the sketch didn't even work for me, but it had a joke that worked for me. At some point, the octopus and Silken Floss, they catch the spirit and he's tied up. And for whatever reason, I don't understand this at all. I don't think anyone can explain this. I know you listened to the commentary, Arnie. I don't think it could be explained why there is a belly dancer while Silken Floss and the Octopus are in their SS uniforms with a, a big Adolf Hitler picture in the background. Like, it is it is such a baffling scene. They're going to melt a cat and its eyeballs are just going to be rolling around in the sink. Like, it sounds like I'm tripping on acid and just describing <laughs> my hallucinations to you. But this is the film. Well, that belly dancer is from the comic. She is another one of the spirit's enemies. Plaster of Paris. I get that. It's just so weird how it pops up. Yeah, she was supposed to be there. And apparently Frank Miller said something like early on in the bonus features that just it sums up everything. He says, you can basically say I got where I am in my career by listening to my dick. Wow. And apparently he was so taken by actress Paz Vega and that outfit that he actually yelled cut instead of action for her scenes because he was just enamored by the outfit he put her in. <laughs> yeah, I get that sense. I get the sense that because the, the other story was that uh, when Scarlett went to go read 
for the part, she was actually up for Sans Serif, and Eva was there, and they were all sitting around laughing and talking, and Miller was like, well, I'm going to give this part to Eva, but I'm going to write one for you. I'm just going to find, because I want you in this, too. I think that he was, you know, not to go to too many crude stereotypes, but maybe lonely, curmudgeonly comic book guys don't get to spend all their time with beautiful women. I don't know what you're talking about. It's how I live my life, Stuart. <laughs> but I think that, yes, it would be easy. It's easy for me to imagine that Frank Miller on his first shoot, seeing all of these beautiful actresses fawning, begging for parts in to his movie, he would be tempted to fit like, okay, let's just work her in too. And since that is sort of the spirit's condition, why not? I think the the failure here is that we should have had some kind of plot that was a rogues galley of villains decide to gang up on the spirit. I can't figure out why Sans Serif and Octopus and Plaster of Paris are in the same storyline. They don't, they seem to be in three separate movies that got spliced together. I mean, we will see Plaster of Paris come out, dance, cut Spirit free from his binds, and then kill him. Stab him, yeah. I, I do want to say before she stabs him, the, the one part that I did laugh at is when that huge SS Nazi eagle falls down on the octopus. Like, I, I'm glad at least Nazism killed the Nazi. <laughs> I'm glad you told me that story about Scarlett Johansson. I didn't realize that she was just written in for having Scarlett Johansson there. You know what? I won't negatively stereotype Frank Miller. I'll say, if you have a whole bunch of actresses who are bringing star power, this was back when Eva Mendes still had some. <laughs> she wasn't as dead as Star Trek. No. You can, take her out, you can take her out of Children of the Corn, but you can't take the corn out of the actress. <laughs> that sounds she was dirty. never great, but, but she was always beautiful, and yeah, you would find a role for her here. Yeah, but I never understood why Silken Floss was in this movie. I never understood her relationship relationship with octopus and that may seem like a nitpick on a comedy film but if he has all of these dim-witted fat henchmen running around why is there a smart attractive blonde there what does she want out of this partnership i still don't know when the credits roll but now i know what she wanted was a part in the movie and so that helps yeah. i mean that is a relationship between the two characters in the comic so it's not too much of a stretch to write Silken Floss into a movie with the octopus. But you're right, Arnie. Where is her motivation here? Like, why are they together? You still want to show a reason for that. I mean, if he gets to rule the world and gets to be immortal, what does she get? She's not in love with him. She scoffs at the idea that there's a sexual attraction between the two. So if she's not in it for her man and she's not in it for power or immortality, I'd like to know what her deal is i believe the original character from what i understood was like a medical student or studying science or something and so she has a line at the end something about getting her degree i think that it was the education she's watching a master geneticist mad scientist and learning and this is her undergraduate basically who hasn't created that many great creations like i, I feel like real <laughs> scientists would do better Perhaps. He did discover the key to immortality. Yeah, we're never told what that is, but we are told in the flashback, right before the spirit escapes to get stabbed by the belly dancer. 
Yeah, that's again. I, I have no problem with working in classic characters from the comic book. I think that's what you should do. Uh, there might even need to be more of them. You know, Dick Tracy had about eight or nine. I, I feel like they could have gone with that. But you need to give each a motive. You need to give them a reason for why they would help or hinder the spirit. And here we just have a beautiful woman walk on, dance, and then, yes, both set him free and kill him. And disappear, and, and we never see her again. Yeah, I, I, and then we're set up, he goes back to death. Lorelai, like, he, he's a, ready to embrace her. Like, here is the spirit's arc. He's wanted death, he's making out with her, ready to embrace her, and then he just realized, look, there's too much poontang in my life to just go for one woman. Like, that's how it comes across to me. Like you see this string of women that he has some kind of relationship with. And it's like, sorry, death, too many women to bang. So I'm going to go back to life. Is it wrong that I like that? I actually thought that that was charming. Again, I thought that was the part of the character, the only part of the character that I thought was relatable. If this was done right, it would be charming, but it's not done right. I'll agree with Jacob. I was a little confused about the whole thing, but by this point, truthfully, checked out. Completely checked out. I'm yeah. like, I know how this is going to eventually end. The spirit's going to find a way to kill the octopus. Maybe the octopus will get to drink Herculean blood. Maybe not. I couldn't figure that out until the very end, but I knew where it was all headed, and I just wanted it to get there. But the spirit doesn't get it there. The climax is brought about because Sansera finally sets up a meeting with the octopus, and they're going to trade cases Except the octopus isn't there. It's just Silken Floss and, I don't know, Huevos or Rancheros or one of those dummies. He's in the back of the truck. He's he's hiding out. He's not making the transaction. But I, the cops know about this because the spirit does. So they're all, they're staking it out. They're waiting for the octopus to show up. I got the impression Sand came around and gave the cops the information. So she led the cops to the meeting. She was betraying the octopus. I think she gave the spirit the information because she, and I don't know if it's ever explained in this movie, she knows that the spirit is Denny. I, I guess he used a line that she knew or something. I never caught on. Yeah, no, he does. You know, he tracks her down with that picture of her ass. He goes around to all the nice hotels and shows them the concierges. And eventually he finds her. And in that room, he basically says something to her that he said to her when he was a, a kid and, and she realizes she and her reaction is you're supposed to be dead and shoves him out the window. But yeah, she knew when she shoved him out the window who he was. She knew it was Denny. And maybe she resented the fact that he was a crime fighter and sort of a cop, sort of a dead cop. The shock to me was that these two aren't getting back together. We spend quite a bit of time with them in their younger selves, you know, I guess they like each other. He likes her. I think she might like him, even though she's playing coy and says, I'll wear the locket, but I'm not your girl. But I think this whole thing, if it's going to have an arc, is that the spirit will stop the octopus and get the girl. But when all is said and done, they're like, all right, well, here's your locket back. I'll wear it, but I'm not your girl. Okay, well, that's okay. I've got a lot of other girls, so bye. I feel bad for Ella. I mean, look, there's this big climax fight. Does it really matter? It's a bunch of green screen stuff, like helicopters that look like cardboard cutouts and uh, flashes going off. The octopus gets blown up with a grenade. But then Sand and the spirit, like, embrace and kiss, and Ellen is just watching. I feel bad for Ellen. She's the one that I don't know why the spirit needs to go to the hospital and get sewn up if he could heal himself, but she's the one always at his side as he's healing in the hospital, and she's just staring as 
the spirit is making out with Sam. Like, I I feel bad for her. Like, the one time I feel an emotion for anyone in this film is for Ellen at the end. Yeah, she's kind of like Money Penny, though. You know, Bond, he he tours the world with all of these women, and yet he always goes back to Money Penny. And there's this, you know, the new movies have definitely brought up that more close attraction. I think that's kind of what they're doing here. I, I can't, I, again, I don't want to oversell this. I didn't enjoy this movie, but I did enjoy this aspect of the movie. I thought that the flirtation was the right impulse, but you can't really feel it because this is not a movie where emotions come through. This is a movie that looks cool and feels like nothing. Feels like death. Am I the only one where you do get this shot, like Silken Floss is about to drive away and you see this thing like inching along the street? Am I the only one that thought that was the octopus's penis? I thought it for a moment. I really did. There's a scene in Beyond Reanimator where the very <laughs> same thing happened and I thought it was going to be a penis. It ends up being a finger, but... <laughs> it might be a penis in, you know, an earlier draft. It is Frank Miller. But, yeah, I'm uh, sure it was. <laughs> but I'm sure in order to get PG-13, someone intervened and said, you know, it really can't be his phallus. You know, I gotta say, though, I listened to the commentary that had Frank Miller and his producer, Deborah Del Preet, or Prete. She's a horrible producer. She indulged his every desire. There were a couple of things they did say about ratings. There was supposed to be some nudity they had to bring back, a lot more blood they had to bring back. There was going to be a different ending. I mean, as it is, they just hand Octopus a grenade. In the original ending, they just left the spirit constantly ripping out his body parts and pummeling them and his liver. Like, Octopus's liver would speak and mock the spirit. And so the spirit had to destroy the liver and just go completely medieval on this corpse. And they had to draw that back. But really, Frank Miller says, I want a nine-foot Piper. And she's like, okay, yes, sir, Frank. And I, I love your vision, sir. You know, I, I think that's the opposite of what a producer should do, especially for a first-time director. If you're not going to be experienced, you need to have an experienced support staff. But I don't think anybody saw Frank Miller as inexperienced. I think that might be the fatal flaw here, is to everyone on set, actors, crew producer this was the guy that had made legendary comic books and what's a movie but a comic book come to life so i think that they thought that yes this guy could do better than what hollywood had been doing that he would tell a better spirit movie than if he handed it to Zack snyder or brian singer i'm not sure they would say that now i'm not much in a position to defend Zack snyder but i think he could have done better here I think most people could. I think getting the tone right was key, and that's what's all wrong here at the end and at the beginning of this movie. So, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Frank Miller's The Spirit? Jacob. Look, th this film offended me because it puts Will Eisner's name on there, and you might see this and think that's what The Spirit is, and it's so much better. But I, it's interesting to hear your point of view, Stuart, because... You do grasp some things that are so special about those comics, like the their array of femme fatales and, and kind of that just humor the spirit has with all these different women. Like, you got that from this. I guess that's a positive thing. I don't know. You could read the Wikipedia page about the spirit and get that image, too. And I think it'd be as strongly impressed upon you as this film <laughs> impresses it upon you. This, this film is really all style with with nothing to back it up. And... You, maybe you could say that about Frank Miller. Like, he definitely has 
works that that stay on the test of time. But I do feel like he is such a visually impressive artist that a lot of times people give him a pass when things are weaker because it looks so impressive. And here, I don't even know if this looks impressive. It looks like Sin City. It looks kind of like 300. It has a lot of styles in it. To me, it feels muddled just like the storytelling, though. I don't know why the style is the way it is, except Sin City was really popular. And so we're going to kind of do it like that. The writing feels juvenile to me. None of the jokes work. I I could see what that TV pilot was going for. This, I have a hard time seeing what this is supposed to be, except Frank Miller indulging in Frank Miller. For me, this is a strong not recommend. Stuart. And the surprise is, I didn't hate this. I didn't like it. I'm not going to recommend it. I don't think that's a secret. But to me, it's very much like Tank Girl. It's too much of a okay thing that some people may love. I actually think there's an audience for this. I don't know anyone that loves this. I think it is ripe for rediscovery. Like a lot of cult things, it would not surprise me that if we give this another... Well, I guess it has been 10 years, but if we give it a few more years, I could imagine some people coming around that saw it at an early age that went with the crazy, wacky vibe. I think that there is some appeal. Again, Rocky Horror Picture Show. There is a cult audience for this. I see some charm, but it is a mess of a story and I feel like that is where it really is a disservice to the spirit is that I wanted to understand this world. I wanted to enjoy what was good about this world, the look of it, the characters, his dilemma. And it really, again, if I hadn't seen the movie last week, there's a lot of stuff like who Ellen was and, and everything that it's just never established. I mean, and her father, the commissioner, we didn't even bring him up tonight. But I mean, there's just so much that's here that was in the movie last week that I understood in the movie last week that I don't understand in this movie. And so I definitely feel like maybe Frank Miller was too close to the spirit or maybe he was too close to his own style and couldn't separate himself from it. But he was the wrong person for making this movie. And so it's a mile not recommend, but I'm leaving this whole series feeling like, hey, I wouldn't mind having another one. I actually feel like there's something about the spirit I like, but it's two for two. I don't like either movie. And if you do like this, if you if you felt compelled to read the spirit, I would recommend uh, for the more modern stuff, Darwin Cook's run, which is 12 or 13 issues in 2007, or go back to the original Eisner stuff. The stuff from the 50s is in 60s is probably the best of the spirit, but I would I would definitely recommend that if you're interested to learn more. I think I would, but something maybe without early UB or what's his name? Ebony. Ebony, yeah, Ebony. I, yeah, I, I, that's yeah. why I'm saying go to the 50s stuff. Okay. That gets changed. This movie makes me almost want to go back to last week and go, yes, recommend that. <laughs> it's the better of the two. Oh, so much more coherent. And I agree, Stuart. I feel like that last one is required viewing for this one. And if that's the case, if this one is so structurally unsound that I have to watch a never wanted to be aired TV pilot from the 80s to understand what's going on here. This is a complete catastrophe of vision. This is something where Frank Miller 
was unprepared for the burden of his role. He had been given an honorary director's title for Sin City, and those movies held together. But somewhere, he lost Robert Rodriguez's cell phone, because I think (laughs) where Rodriguez created his vision in Sin City, perhaps he could have used a little bit of input from his friend Rodriguez on this one, on how to maintain consistent tone, character through lines, and the semblance of a story. I couldn't believe he said in the commentary, the story is the most important thing and you must never lose sight of that. Was he being (laughs) ironic? Uh, He might have been saying that as a preemptive protection. I'm going to say it so you don't accuse me of not doing it. Yeah, maybe that was the funniest joke on the entire movie is him saying story (laughs) mattered to him. But you did call out the police detective and I want to say Dan Loria... The dad from The Wonder Years brings the right amount of seriousness and comedy to the role. I mean, I couldn't believe the dad from The Wonder Years was in this. I thought he might be dead, but (laughs) he is actually the standout of this film. I'd almost like to see him do more of this type of work, but everything else here, it's a train wreck. It really is. There's just scenes of... Dying cats being melted, but their eyeballs remain like they were fake glass eyes. The fights are unexciting. The style is overblown and obvious. I mean, oh, the screen turns red when people are angry. That's not at all unsubtle. No, I I came in expecting to like this as much as Sin City, which may not have been a recommend, but at least I would have enjoyed myself. Here... Wow, I can't believe that I wanted to turn this off and I watched the TV movie twice. It's a strong, strong not recommend. As red as the spirits die. Yeah, as red as everything Frank Miller allowed to have color in this whole film. That's a shocker. I'm the one that liked it the most. I, I, it's For me, it's a very mild not recommend. But to, just to be clear, because I think in many cases, I tend to be more of the protector for movies that are just complete and utter fluff. Like, I didn't hate Machete Kills. I didn't hate Tank Girl. Uh, Batman 66, I gave a recommend. You tend to be harder on them, Arnie. I mean, is the problem that you just don't like camp? I can go with camp from time to time. I think that it has to be done the right way. I think these aren't done the right way. I think when you get into a muddle, and all three movies you mentioned got into a story quagmire where the plot line became a plot spaghetti pile in the middle. And that is a problem for me. I need to have characters with desires and motivations, be it camp, be it anything. I mean, I think I was the one who liked the campy James Bond film the most. Yeah, the thing with camp, though, is I I don't feel it could be deliberate. Like, there is something accidental about camp. If that's what you're going for, it's going to be as bad as the spirit most of the time. It's got to be something that happens now. I think Batman... Even Batman 66, I don't know. I feel like, oh, we got to make a kid's Batman for TV. And, And that came about naturally. I don't think there's anything natural 
about the spirit. I mean, it's all green screen. There is nothing natural about it, including the tone that Miller wanted to do. And I, you know what? I, I want to be clear in case it sounds like I'd like to give this a recommend. It's still clearly red. Yeah, they didn't get there because we're never given a reason to care about this world. It might look cool. It might make you laugh a couple of times. You're never invested. Not at all. I'm only invested on moving on and not looking back to the spirit. And you said you'd be interested in another one. I might be interested in this character if done right, but neither of the things we've seen has made me think I want that. I think I just prefer other noirish type of heroes. I don't think, especially if the spirit has this comedic, campy vibe all the way from Eisner that they're going to be true to. No, give me daredevil give me punisher give me something else i'm done with the spirit he's going on the pile with the green hornet and the phantom and dick tracy as old characters that did not translate well to modern film and i really don't care if they ever try to translate again let's move on we've got plenty of new material being written we don't need to keep mining the depths of the 30s that generation is past <laughs> Okay, I mean, I'd be up for it. I, I, I think if it comes back at all, it'll be a TV series, because that's how everything is coming back these days. But I don't think we're going to get another movie, not until everyone has forgotten this misfire. Well, let's, I need to clean the taste of this out of my mouth. So we're going to review a movie that has freaking Academy Award nominations next week. And not that we're a highfalutin show where we're only going to praise the Oscar gold, but it's a comic book movie. It's DC. It's American Splendor. Yeah, I got I got a special connection to this one. I have actually talked to Harvey P. Carr, who is the star of American Splendor, the the writer of it who created it. So I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I've seen it before. And uh, yeah, it's fun. It's very much an early millennial movie. It makes me think about Charlie Kaufman and just lots of, it goes in, in lots of different directions. It's, I almost feel weird about putting this in the DC retrospective because <laughs> it's one we're fudging just like the spirit. It, it didn't start in DC. Well, not just that, but not just that it may or may not have been totally printed by DC, but that it gives the impression that if you enjoyed, you know, The Flash and Superman, you're going to somehow connect with the movie we're talking next week. Well, we did Road to Perdition and History of Violence, which came under DC as well. So good point. Yes, DC, Stardust even. I mean, (laughs) bigger. If there's one thing you can say about them over Marvel is that they they seem to have a broader spectrum of the type of movies that get Get made for better or for worse and i think we're going to be seeing one or the better next week and then next friday starts the spring donation series donations are now available so you can be among the first as we nod our head because the black suit's coming with men in black I'm wondering if Arnie's going to be singing. Yeah, I, I mean. I, uh, what what you'll have ready for us, I'm very intrigued. Men in Black is a series I don't know very well. I saw part two on a plane once, back when they showed movies on the plane, and I was barely paying attention. <laughs> and so I, I don't have a lot of familiarity. I don't really know about this series. I am the fan of this series, meaning I really love the first one. <laughs> and we will talk about the other two. I've seen the first one more times than I can count. I've seen part two twice. I've seen part three once. I'm looking forward to revisiting this series because despite what they say about 21 Jump Street, I just don't believe that's really happening. It's just, I think this is one of those dead series that we are safe to do in our lead up to Independence Day. 
And of course, don't forget, a few weeks after that, our sci-fi of Summer 86 begins with Critters, Invaders from Mars, Space Camp, Labyrinth, Big Trouble in Little China, and Night of the Creeps. That's all for our gold $25 or more donation. And then Platinum $35 or more. Ghostbusters, who are you going to call? I mean, we're doing Men in Black first, but I do think it started with Ghostbusters. I think a lot about what people love about Men in Black, I'm assuming, having not seen it, seems to be what was done in 1984 with Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, maybe even Ernie Hudson. We'll we'll throw him a bone there. And uh, we'll be getting two movies with them, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, plus the all-female reboot that's coming out in the middle of summer. We should probably throw R.I.P.D. in there, because the new Ghostbusters looks more like R.I.P.D. than anything that Murray was involved with. But we'll talk about it. That is our Platinum Donation series. All these shows only available for a limited time. Find out all the details by clicking the banner at the top of nowplayingpodcast.com. So Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. And now I think it's time for the hard goodbye. time. No more pain. No more suffering. Give up the ghost. Give up the spirit. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's Spirit Retrospective Series. We hope you've enjoyed the show. I think you've overstayed your welcome, Mr. Cope. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. When me and the spirit get together, we like to party all night. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this movie review with other listeners. We have to have people over more often. I like this. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other comic book films, such as Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, The Avengers, X-Men, Blade, Daredevil, The Punisher, and Fantastic Four. Jesus, they're the call for backup. You can also listen to our reviews of other movie series, including Mad Max, The Fast and the Furious, Mission Impossible, Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, and many more. Maybe you and your force could work a little harder. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at nowplayingpodcast.com. I'll be seeing you again real soon. If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Get reviews of 125 films our hosts love. You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. I mean, this is fun for me. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Everything will start to make sense, yes. Everything will make sense. Everything will start to make sense. Let's get back to business, hmm? Support from listeners like you. Help keep Now Playing operating. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Well, another day, another million in donations. That's a worthy cause. Now Playing's DC Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie. Oh, fast Now Playing credit narration by Brock. Shut up and bleed. Now Playing is not affiliated with DC Comics or Warner Brothers Pictures. 
DC Comics, and all that the DC Universe contains are copyright and trademark Warner Brothers Entertainment, and no infringement is intended. Pardon me, but is there a point to all this? Because I'm getting old just listening to you. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. You know I don't like egg on my face. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Crime, especially murder, is never a laughing matter. I'm not like the spirit's done it again. I was made that Goodbye, Sam. Goodbye, Danny. Played by Jamie King, an actress whose looks have gotten her far when her acting ability couldn't. Who is she? Oh, she's been in a lot of stuff. Oh, let me look her up now. Yeah, stuff. Um, I, I, I'm. It's just gonna be like Marmaduke and like <laughs> Little Rascals Three, just like she, utter she, shit. <laughs> I never understood exactly why we had Lacey in this movie. That was Lacey something. Uh, Silk and Floss? Sil- Silk and Silk Floss. And floss? <laughs> yeah. I'm I never. Close. <laughs> but I do but want to get. But the spirit does. No, go ahead. But let me But the spirit out- doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> you go. Go. I'm done. Okay. All three movies you recommend it, all three movies you just mentioned have... I didn't recommend them. I changed my <laughs> phrasing. All yeah, yeah, just be clear. I'm not, def- I'm not the defender here. I'm devil's advocate. All three...